Hello everyone. Well, we are back to another episode on the Counterpoint podcast. In the previous podcast uh, with Achil, we discussed implementation of GIT, JIT in OEMs and its impact on its partners, suppliers and dealerships. Now, during the discussion, we touched upon a phenomena called the supplier bullwhip effect, which adversely impacts the supplier's working capital due to pile of inventories across tiers of suppliers. We promised to discuss the same in detail. in one of the episodes so here we are to understand it better and uh, in detail as to what the bullwhip effect is and uh, how it generates from the oems and how it impacts the suppliers well we have achil again with us here achil for everyone uh, who might not have heard the previous episode the link is in the details uh, i strongly urge you to go through the episode and uh, for everyone uh, who is still new i must tell you that achil is our uh, partner at vector consulting group and uh, a senior at probably every solution that we have implemented at vector so hi achil uh, welcome to the counterpoint podcast ken how are you hi shubham how are you i am good achil thank you and it feels uh, really good to be back to share some more insights on the automotive supply chain great achil yeah and i and i believe uh, this session will uh, bring a lot of insights on the automotive industry great that'll be i think that'll be great for our listeners as well right so achil we'll get straight to the topic i want to start by asking you if you can explain how the supplier bullwhip effect which we discussed in the last episode generates in the oem supply chain how does it you know germinate okay see in the previous podcast i had mentioned that the oem plants are assembly plants and therefore they are prone to a plant defect which essentially means that the vehicle will not get made even if one part is missing given that the vehicle requires thousands of parts and sub assembly it becomes a big challenge for the oem purchase team or the oem buyers to ensure availability of parts and sub assemblies at the right time and also in right quantities hmm okay so what uh, these buyers do to overcome this kind of a challenge and to safeguard supplies uh what they do is they deploy three types of actions or three tactics at their end the first tactic that they deploy is known as schedule inflation the second tactic that they deploy is part or component multi sourcing uh, which essentially means that they will source same part from various suppliers and the third is the safety stock concept so they will have a min and max system and they will start procuring the material according to the uh, depletion of stocks based on this uh, min max now the buyers can or uh, deploy a combination of uh, these tactics or action so if you go to an oem you will find that it is not only one tactic that he has deployed he has deployed a combination so for example he would have deployed a schedule inflation tactic along with the multi sourcing tactic or a safety stock tactic along with schedule inflation or a multi sourcing with safety stock or all the three together right a permutation and combination of it's a permutation and combination based on uh, how much he wants his uh, uh, supplies to be reliable or what he perceives the amount of unreliability there is in the supply chain all right so the higher the unreliability that a buyer perceives the more tactics or actions they would you know take Yes, yes, yes. That's uh, that's correct. So the supplier bullwhip effect 
is an outcome of the first tactic uh, which I have just talked about, which is the schedule inflation. Okay. So, Atil, could you explain what is the schedule inflation? Because I think the other two tactics uh, are still very easy and understandable. Uh, what is this uh, schedule inflation? Okay. So, uh, for ease of understanding, let's take an example. And uh, I would also request the listeners to open up their minds and in order to visualize because okay. this will require a lot of detailing to be done in the discussion and some imagination is required to understand. All right. So I'll uh, urge all our listeners to probably concentrate here because uh, we're looking at an example how we can understand schedule inflation. Yeah, Achal, please. And, and Shubham, I'll be requiring your help also in this. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, so now you have to uh, do a role play for me. Sure. Suppose you are a buyer of a particular product. Okay. And I am the supplier. So you ask me to supply hundred units of some of this product, but instead of supplying hundred units, I uh, supply only ninety units to you. Okay. Very unreliable. <laughs> yeah, very unreliable. <laughs> I mean, I'm falling short by ten numbers. Right. Right. In an assembly plant, you can't even fall short by one number. Hmm, yeah. The next time you uh, ask me to supply 110 units again, but instead of supplying 110 units, I supply you 100 units only. I supply less. So the, the, the essence is that every time you ask me to supply a certain quantity, I fall short by 10 units. Okay. So now based on such an experience, what will you do the next time to ensure that you have the desired quantity delivered to you? So what will you do if this keeps happening? I think I'll increase, I'll, I'll, I'll increase the requirement much more than just by 10. I mean, you know, if, I, if every time I fall short of about 10 units, the next time I place an order, I shall increase the order size 10 more units than my actual requirement. Correct. So this is exactly what happens uh, between the OEMs and their tier one suppliers between tier one supplier and tier two suppliers. And finally between tier two and tier three suppliers. And this is a very common and deployed across most OEMs and their channel partners. Uh, the problem here is that the process of schedule inflation, which means the actual schedule of an OEM, the schedule for the listeners to understand is the actual requirement. Okay or the actual monthly requirement of the OEM is what they call as schedule. They call it as monthly schedule. So this inflation of the monthly schedule generates fictitious schedules across the supply side channel partners. Okay. So this is really worrisome because uh, although my requirement is something, but uh, as it goes down in the chain, uh, it, you know, accentuates and it increases significantly. So probably you can elaborate uh, a bit more on schedule inflation and uh, what do you mean by this fictitious schedules? Okay. So the supply side of the OEM has three to four entities. So let's imagine that there are four entities Okay. and they are placed in a ladder. So the OEM is on the top. Below that OEM, we have tier one supplier. Below tier one supplier, we have tier two supplier. And the last leg is the tier three supplier. Okay. That's how the supply chain is placed, right? Now consider an OEM buyer who has experienced shortages from a very unreliable supplier. 
the supplier has failed to supply the scheduled quantities or in time or both okay so i'll be concerned yeah 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 it's it's a, it's a huge concern and such supply failures may arise due to uh, supplier's internal inefficiencies or it could be due to environment uncertainty okay so inefficiency could be like uh, uh, for instance it could be uh, poor planning poor line utilization and environment uncertainty means uh, say a truck breakdown happens which is unforeseen and is not under the uh, supplier's control a factor which is not under his control that's an uncertainty for it so the failure arises because of these two factors his own inefficiencies as well as the environment uncertainty now what happens is having experienced the unreliability in supplies from a particular supplier the buyer inflates the schedule at part or component level obviously yeah in fact what he does is he he looks at the trend the trend of failures how much the how much quantities uh, have fallen short in the past and he takes a call on that the amount of inflation depends on the buyer's perception of supplier's liability so if you observe some of the monthly schedules of the oems you would find that at the part level the inflation or the component level the inflation varies from 10% to 30% largely oh okay maybe more in some cases and this i am talking about the part level not at not at the overall level yeah further there are two tactics that the buyers deploy the first tactic is where based on their unreliability perception about the supplier they would take a safety factor say 20 30% and would increase the schedule for all the parts hmm the other could be that the buyer perceives that this particular supplier is good in certain parts so the inflation may not be so high the other parts he is failing continuously so he would inflate to a very large extent oh okay so that kind of tactic uh, they can deploy uh, it all depends on the buyer and his perception about the part supplies and the unreliability of the supplier so this is how they inflate the schedules now imagine a situation where the oem buyer inflates the schedule say by 30% for a particular part okay so consider the oem's actual requirement is say about 100 units which means he wants to assemble 100 vehicles 100 trucks 100 cars 100 motorcycles say but the buyer of the oem provides schedule to tier 1 supplier of 130 units because he has inflated it by 30 units right based on his perception of the unreliability of the supplier now we have a very typical situation and a very interesting situation which gets built up at tier 1 supplier tier 1 supplier also has a buyer and a team and a purchase and procurement team hmm they have their own set of assumptions about the reliability of tier 2 supplier and therefore they will also ha- have a tendency to inflate the schedules further and provide it to the tier 2 supplier okay so the 130 units of schedule that the tier 1 gets from the oem is further say inflated by 30% by tier 1 supplier so the schedule that goes to tier 2 uh, from tier 1 supplier would be a 30% add on to what he got from oem so in this in 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 our example it would become 169 units correct right now i can uh, say that you would uh, would you would have anticipated or what would happen at between tier 2 and tier 
Right. I was about to say now what tier three would get as a <laughs> schedule. Yes. Would be another thirty percent on top of you know the one sixty nine that we have already quoted to the tier two supplier. Yes. So that would become uh, what about two twenty units? I think. Yeah, it's around two twenty units. Oh God. Okay. So original requirement of hundred units becomes two twenty units. Yes. So now imagine a situation which has got created and I'm talking about only one part, mm, right? Yeah. Where the real demand or the real requirement or the actual requirement of the OEM is was 100 units, but tier two got an order for 169 units and tier got it for 220 units. Mm. Eventually, the material that will flow in the supply chain is only 100 because that's what the OEM wants. Right. While the rest of it will lie as inventory across the supply chain. Yeah, that too. So we'll have a buildup of inventory as well. We'll have a buildup of inventory and it can uh, lie at various places, it can lie at tier three. It is observed to be lying most at tier three, tier two and tier one in that sequence. Mm, obviously, right. So, so this is how the non-moving inventory gets generated or gets created in the supply chain. The phenomenon gets aggravated in situations where at the OEM, there is a model change or a part change. When a model or a part changes at the OEM and we have some non-moving inventory already lying or a slow-moving inventory already lying at the back end, this slow-moving inventory would eventually become a dead inventory. Hmm. We'll have obsolescence. Right. So that is the kind of impact we are talking about. And, and therefore, what, I, what we discussed just now that the inventory accumulation will be maximum at tier, tier 3 suppliers. And this phenomenon of the inventory built up across the supply chain is what we uh, call as the Bullwick effect. I think it has really been uh, named correctly the <laughs> the whip of the bull. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whip of the bull. Right. And 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 you can you can you can visualize the uh, OEM holding the whip, hmm. and the other end, which makes the maximum impact, is at uh, tier three. Right. So, uh, Asil, uh, is the supplier bullwhip an inventory whip only or does it impact other operational aspects of the supply chain as well? You know, what are the other uh, implications of this in the entire supply chain? Okay, so it's not only about inventory that we are talking about. This phenomena of bullwhip uh, has serious implications on other operational parameters as well. And, and, and one such parameter is capacity. Okay. Uh, what happens is you, you just imagine that against the actual requirement of hundred numbers, tier two and tier three are generating much more across parts, which means they are producing in their facility. In the example where the OEMs wanted hundred numbers, tier two was generating 169, tier three was generating 220, yeah. which means they need to have more capacity to generate such inventory. They would require much higher capacities implying that they will have to put in a higher capex only to generate inventories because this, this material is not going to move. Right. Now their return on capital, if this happens, their return on capital will be very poor. And even after having so much of capacity, they are still unreliable. Now you see the irony. Yeah. And so uh, if you spend some time in the OEM supply chain, on the supply side of the chain, uh, you would observe that there is a continuous uh, conflict uh, between the suppliers and the OEMs, where the OEM perceives that the suppliers don't have capacity and push them to invest more 
whether suppliers across tiers say that we are already sitting on huge capacities. Right. So, so there's a conflict which arises. So what I talked about just now is, is the, is the uh, capacity, uh, there's a lot of capacity getting built in the uh, supply side of the OEM. Okay. So imagine a tier three and tier two supplier, uh, which they have small, they are basically small businesses and expected to invest much more in capacity building and at the same time struggle with huge inventories. Hmm. It's like a cash 22 situation, which will eventually lead to death of some of them. So as you had asked uh, me earlier, it is not only the inventory whip, which we were talking about. In addition to it, there is a capacity whip also. So the supplier bull whip has two parts to it. There is an inventory whip and there is a capacity whip. Oh, okay. Therefore, the more I move across tier one, tier two, uh, and down to tier three suppliers, you would observe inventories bloating and capacity getting wasted. Both the things happening at the same time. So Achal, this is very, again, very worrying because for a tier two, tier three supplier, these effects must be causing a lot of damage now. And I'm sure that over time they would have realized, you know, that uh, people above them or OEMs or T1 suppliers do this kind of inflation. So the suppliers would also take, you know, some countermeasures with their experience uh, because they know that these schedules are inflated. So do they take any kind of evasive measures? Yes, uh, they actually do. Uh, there are, there are some wise suppliers who in order to protect themselves from the bullwhip, uh, they deploy countermeasures. One such countermeasure is uh, known as schedule deflation. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, it seems very interesting. Yeah. OEM is doing a schedule inflation and the supplier is doing schedule deflation, right? Right. So, so we'll try to understand what this means. See, based on the past trends uh, mixed up with their intuitions, they incorporate uh, corrections to the received schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, which means the uh, suppliers, when they receive their schedule, they have some intuition that yes, uh, uh, in previous uh, schedules, they had not picked up a certain amount. And then they, they see the trends mixed up with the intuitions. They start cutting down schedules that they're in. Okay. So for example, if a supplier has received a schedule of 169 units, taking from the same example that we had discussed, he may take a call to tone down the schedule at his end to say about 130 units okay. and release it for production. It is a judicious, judicious uh, call that he takes and the, yeah, I agree. and in the process, uh, the suppliers walk on a very tight rope because while doing this, they should not fall on either side, which means the shortage side or the excess side. Hmm. So then how do, how do suppliers come out of this problem then? Okay. Now, to come off this situation, uh, the entire back end of the OEM, which is suppliers across tiers, have to respond to the actual demand or the consumption of the OEM. Hmm. And, and therefore, the entire supply side will have to plan accordingly. Right. What they'll have to do is to stop planning as per monthly schedules, which are obviously inflated and fictitious in nature. Hmm because of the safety getting built at each tier level and deploy mechanisms to ensure real-time consumption monitoring or tracking, as well as aligning and changing the internal processes to respond to these consumptions, the actual consumption. Right. 
makes sense it's it's a it's a it's an operational change management exercise where the entire planning will have to get realigned to the oems consumption across all tier of suppliers right and i think this would require a lot of discussion in detail probably in the next podcast we can do that right so anyway we had planned another podcast with you to understand the solution that we still have to you know look for a sustainable solution for jet so maybe we could understand that better and then we can look at another podcast to see how we resolve this situation while you have given a glimpse of the solution we would love to go in detail and uh, understand in depth how do we implement this yeah sure i think it, it will be very interesting to discuss this thing great thanks a lot achil uh, for your time again and uh, we shall come back soon uh, on the podcast with another episode with you uh, on a detailed solution like we had promised and for all the listeners if you have any concerns if you have any doubts uh, or any advice that you would like to give us for the podcast you could write to us on our social media links or you can also write to us on our website the link is in the details until next time this is shubham signing off thank you